0: Hey everybody, uh, today's episode deals with some difficult subjects. Just uh, I want to give everybody a content warning. There will be talk of sexual assault and some homophobia. So if you want to avoid anything like that, you might want to skip this episode. And here we go.
1: Say what, say what? Say what, say what? I say what, say what? All right. Hell yeah. We're doing it. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Er, nah, 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 nah. What's up, man? What's going on? Oh, you know,
0: <laughs> it's stuff that's <laughs> happening. That's <laughs> your other podcast. Sorry, I'm <laughs> stepping on that. How dare you? Yeah.
1: Damn.
0: Damn, yeah. Daniel. Damn, Daniel. That's a meme.
1: Back at Education with the White Fans. <laughs>
0: That was one meme that I kind of, I, I, it's like I was off the internet for like a week when that one hit mm-hmm. and I came back and everybody was quoting it and I'm like, wait, what happened here?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just sort of,
0: uh, kind of came and went though.
1: Well, I like that the bare naked ladies were kind enough to catalog that week that you were off of the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Chickadee, Chinese, the Chinese chicken. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, it's been, I can't remember the unit measurement of time that I've been away from the internet. Bare Naked Ladies, that's Bim. <laughs> <laughs> and they just go through the whole thing? Man, is that song still okay? Like... Um, I don't know. I haven't, it I haven't like, called it. I haven't called <laughs> it in a while. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: He moved away. No. like Because he, he talks about uh, Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, the anime girls make me want to say the wrong thing
1: or something like that. Boom, but, boom anime babes make me want to say jack off yeah jack maybe you want to come <laughs> yeah that's what it is yes we're yes. on there
0: and, <laughs> we're close. but uh, uh also they're in high
1: school the sailor moon girls? yeah yeah but when that song came out i was also in high school so it's okay okay yeah that makes yeah. sense yeah <laughs>
0: um i don't know if i should say this or not but when the internet first came out i was well, i mean I guess technically the internet was around much before I was. You want to be technical about it? Um, but I do like We didn't get it in our little tiny little shit town mm-hmm. until. Um, Last week?
1: I was like 12, it's, it's 13. It's been one week since we got. <laughs> yeah.
0: And um, our mutual friend, Adam, he was one of the first people that I knew that had the internet. Maybe the mm. first person that I knew that had the internet. Okay. Um, and we, we were spending the night at his house and we were like, hey, let's look at porn. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this is 56K dial-up modem, so everything takes for, takes a, a really long time to download. Mm. And um, preface this saying I was 12 years old, and we mm. were like, hey, we want to see girls our own age naked. And <laughs> so we were <laughs> <Yeah>. literally Googling. <laughs> or I guess Google wasn't really a thing back then, but trying to find, like, yeah. 13 year old naked girls and we were literally typing that into a search bar because we thought it was okay mm-hmm. we're like well it's not child porn because we're children
1: yeah the internet knows yeah <laughs> job from the lawnmower <laughs> man is in there he knows what we're up to of course you know his, his whole family
0: use that computer so yeah <laughs> it's probably not a good idea yeah, uh,
1: yeah. i shouldn't have said that <clears throat> uh anyways it's okay like it made, made sense back then right yeah but yeah. you were 12 looking for 13 year old Right. right they were so old, older women essentially you were looking for cougars <laughs> <Mills>. right yeah
0: <laughs> oklahoma has like the highest rate of teen pregnancy so it was accurate
1: oh my god uh, i'm sorry for saying that do we have like any episodes of like teen mom that are based out of oklahoma gotta be probably not it's like fucking it's coastal, elite getting coastal elites getting all the credits you know
0: coastal elites yeah let's go brandon um, <laughs> <laughs> Should we um, kill ourselves? Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Mutual suicide. Yeah. Right. Let's do it right here. It's right, good. Yeah. I don't. We can't. Like it's a corn episode, so we, suicide we'd, is we'd have to like
1: bleed on. out because we gotta like edit the music into this thing. Nah. We gotta like post the Editing. episode, so it's like, ugh.
0: Gotta wait two weeks for it to load into the
1: cloud. Oh my god. What is? Hey. Side
0: tangent: What's the cl- what is the
1: cloud? I don't know. I asked Kathy about it. She was like, "Ack!" Oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she tried on some bathing She's suits. A- Kathy's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> Kathy's mm, kind of a Karen. <laughs> yeah.
0: Ooh, Kathy's mm-hmm. a Karen. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever see whenever Adam Andy Sandberg, Adam Andy Samberg, <laughs> mm-hmm. Adam, Andy Samberg uh, did Kathy on SNL. Uh, I don't think that so That is funny He wasn't on SNL very much Except for the uh,
1: the shorts But man mm-hmm. He was pretty good Yeah he was rarely in like The sketches Yeah yeah.
0: The only one well, The one I can think of offhand Well there's the Mark Wahlberg Say hello to you oh, Yeah
1: of course Great But also
0: the uh, Swedish chef Dark Skid Bucks Dark That was not Jonathan Davis impression
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> Do You think Jonathan Davis was like Watching the Muppets Saw the Swedish chef And was like Hold on <laughs> Hold on a minute I could do this but with my Bakersfield california spin on this bad boy
0: with a nose full of crushed methamphetamine mm-hmm. yeah uh so yeah the uh, the album we're talking about today is corn the self-titled st came out uh you you've got the you got the info on your phone yeah you I do can't the, do do the info uh
1: what band did the corn self-titled I can't remember i can what band did it uh-huh
0: um. What's funny?
1: What's a funny thing? Like <laughs> I had no follow um, up with it either. That was like the extent of the, the bit for me. Uh, the corn, uh, self titled by the band Corn uh, with the backwards R. Yeah, if you say it right, you hear it. Right. You, you can feel it. Um, was released on October eleventh, nineteen ninety four. Produced by Ross Robinson. Hey. And recorded in uh, California. Yeah, Indigo Ranch. Indigo Ranch. Alive with the vibe. Mm-hmm. And the Todd, reaction. I love you. <laughs> I don't know who Todd, Todd McFarlane, I guess? Yeah. Big influence. Oh, Spawn, huge. huge influence on Limp Biscuit.
0: Well, Greg Capullo, let's just say it. Okay, yeah. Let's just say it. Mm-hmm. I mean, who was doing the heavy lifting there? Mm-hmm. Todd, come at me. I mean, don't come at me. He's sound like a
1: dick. <laughs> he's, he's like the worst Canadian. He's like a <laughs> yeah. <the> meanest Canadian <laughs> living in Arizona. Maybe that's why. That's it. Yeah, dude, get get to some better weather. Um, but yeah, so that's the uh, the main topic on the agenda today. Yeah. Where do you want to start with this?
0: Well, I figured since the thrust of the show, is so we don't forget it, mm-hmm. <laughs> we will, mm-hmm. um, is trying to dissect Nu Metal,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how it came in, how it went out. What happened in that time, why it existed and who it existed, where it existed. And that's Bakersfield, California, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I assume. But yeah, so so I, you know, looking into this and, you know, not 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 just me, but but a lot of people consider this album to be the first new metal album. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, uh, and, you know, like like re-listening to it. I try to take off my nostalgia glasses for this one because I've heard the album so many times that it sort of is just like, it's a corn album, but listening to it over the past couple weeks, I've tried to kind of like separate some of the elements and I've been reading up on the album and how they were really influenced by hip hop. Even though Jonathan Davis doesn't like rap, like some other new metal bands do. um, They have that hip hop, they have hip hop beats. um, They have hip hop, Uh, it it just went for a hip hop sound, Mm -hmm. um, uh, saying that, you know, they tried to make their guitars sound like, like scratch, like, you know, record scratches, Mm -hmm. um, the wiki wiki. Um, and then, uh, Jonathan Davis, I guess with his, let's just call it what it is. Scat. (laughs) Oops. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, um, also, you know, just the clothing, like their uh, like their their physical presentation was, you know, like Adidas track suits, which mm-hmm. kind of harkened back to the run DMC stuff. So even though people have been putting metal and rap together for like nigh on 10, 15 years at this point, I feel like new metal to separate it from funk metal or all the stuff that came before it definitively landed here. And mm-hmm. I watched the documentaries and they were even talking about how. You know, the uh, initially before Jonathan Davis joined the band, I believe it was, I want to say Fieldy and Monkey and Head were all in a band. I could be wrong about this, trying to suss out who was, but they were in like a funk band. Mm-hmm. And they had like a singer that, that sounded like Lane Staley. Oh, wow. So you can imagine how great that sounded together. <laughs> uh, but then they, the, the, they they lost the singer. He went crazy or something like that. And uh, I guess Jonathan had tried out for the band and or, or someone had passed along. Hey, you need to check this guy out. He was with another band. He joined with them. And then within two weeks, they had recorded a four track demo with Ross Robinson. I mean, Ross Robinson wasn't anybody at this time. This is mm-hmm. his first like album that he produced. What a fucking album to start out on. Yeah. Um, but uh I thought I thought it was pretty pretty fascinating how quickly this came together. Like, mm-hmm. I guess Jonathan Davis and and Fieldy who had been friends from like back in the day or knew each other through other means. Uh so that's kind of how he entered into the band, but how His particular band of like singing and kind of like stagemanship and all that kind of stuff was was much different than what a lot of people were doing at that time. And also found it kind of interesting that he cites a lot of his influences as like new wavy, that 80s synthy culture Mm clubby kind of kind of thing. He was like super into. Yeah. Wasn't his favorite band like Duran Duran or something Something like like that? that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of those one of those those bands. Mm -hmm. Let's call it what it is. Flock of Seagulls. Flock of Seagulls. Yeah. That's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) But he, uh, yeah, kind of came from that. And then, so, so hearing all of their backgrounds and hearing how it all kind of, you know, you got the funk influences. A lot of them were big fans of, like, Metallica and metal. And then kind of adding that last bit of Jonathan Davis in there, they said, just kind of, like, made the band a cohesive sound. And it really does. And if you think about it, they're really there there was nothing prior to this album that sounded like this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, and it's rare that you have something that just sounds so unique, but also um, intentional, even though it doesn't sound like they intentionally put these elements together to try to do this one specific thing. It was just sort of like a mishmash of different elements came together in a really unique way and made this new thing. I think that was pretty, Pretty interesting learning about that, like about Mm. their musical histories and everything.
1: Yeah. And I did the same thing with I I also did it, too, (laughs) where I listened to it as if I like with what came before this album in perspective, meaning that this type of groove oriented heavy music didn't really exist right in, in the mainstream up until this point. Yeah. So like the heaviest groove related anything was like Pantera, like you cited on the previous episode. Uh some of that groove plays in there, and there's like certainly like heavy music in Pantera, but it's more like thrashy, I guess. Right. Than what Korn does. Yeah. But then also the lyrics that Jonathan sings in uh in on this album in particular are more personal, but also like a lot of times, like very juvenile, and, like oh. very very simple, like rhyme schemes.
0: Or I mean, rhymes. literally have a nursery song on here. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Yep, but I I, I enjoy that. I, I like that about it.
0: It's um, yeah. I, one thing that they were talking, I, I heard Ross Robinson I listened to an interview with Ross Robinson talk about this, saying that um, metal up until that point had been like machismo machismo how do you say machismo 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 let me do let me do the finger i got by uh I, I pinched the air <laughs> um uh but how you know uh metal at the time was not you didn't show feelings or like real emotions other than yeah. like <laughs> Anger And well, that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be like, yeah, like you said, so vulnerable and open um, was just a totally unique um, approach to like a heavier sound. It just wasn't mm-hmm. didn't exist before. It's kind of funny, though, to think what new metal turned into, which was almost all aggressive masculine posturing Mm -hmm. but the first the first new metal the one that quote-unquote started it all um is very much not that yeah um (laughs) at least lyrically i mean sonically i guess you know it's it's very angry and loud and thrashy and um excitable but man yeah his lyrics i listen to his lyrics a lot um on this one and wow um Some of it was incredibly juvenile. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of it was, I'll say it, homophobic.
1: You think so? (laughs) But I don't feel like it was necessarily directed at the listener or whatever. I think some of it was reflected as to like things he was called.
0: Right. Right. But there is one line that I, when when we do a track list breakdown, there's one line in there that I do want to talk about because it made me laugh out loud whenever I heard it. Okay. We'll get to it. Yeah. So, yeah, like, um, so these guys, Bakersfield, California, all get together. Jonathan Davis was 24. He said that everybody else in the band was right around that age as well. Mm-hmm. And it's it's easy to find a lot of information about Jonathan Davis. He seems to be very good at sharing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> or, you know, he's also a front man. So, of course, people want to talk to the front men sure, more yeah. than the rest of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, apparently he, he worked for a coroner's office and was studying to be
1: a mortician. Wait, did you say... Corner's office? Wait a minute. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I see what. Okay. Okay. We're cracking shit ch- wide open. Get Guys, the, get the red yarn out. Hey, get the tax. Look. We're going to make a. Uh, what better place to start an autopsy of new metal than a corner's office? You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah, dude. Let's just stop the podcast now. We did it. <laughs> Let's do it. High five. <laughs>
0: Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Uh, yeah, and, and at the time, uh, I guess multiple members of the band were addicted to meth. Uh, apparently, Jonathan Davis had. corn. I know. Oh my god! Doesn't say. I mean, you wouldn't think it looking at his teeth, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently, they were. Uh, well, everyone.
1: Okay, and I don't know. Did you did you do much reading on the band? Uh, I did some, not the band themselves, like their early. Origins. I, I looked at Wikipedia, you can't lie on the internet, no. uh, and read about the making of the album, essentially, yeah. but not really the band themselves.
0: Did it go into um, them talking about David very much?
1: The drummer? Uh, not that I read, no. Man.
0: <laughs> what, what happened? It's really funny. Um, they apparently, like, fucking hate him. Oh, now? Like, now, and... It seems like back then, although this could be retroactively them being like, so they all lived in a house together, um, mm-hmm. except for David. Um, oh. He didn't live with them. Also, they were all into like drinking and doing meth. And except for David, he was like a super health nut, which he's a guest jeans model. Is that he, right?
1: Yeah, he was at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like, if you see the older pictures, like they all look like meth heads, except for... <laughs> except for david who looks like a uh, golden god standing in the background Mm -hmm. um but yeah they they all tend to to really uh shit on david um and say like he wasn't like really part of the band Mm -hmm. um which i find interesting because as i I, listening to corn's kind of whole like discography um for me they really drop off after um follow the leader Mm -hmm. that is when david left the band that's when he left? Yeah. I thought it was later on. No, no. He left after... Uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He left after that one. Oh. Okay. Um, and I feel like there's a definitive, like, change. Also, apparently, Jonathan Davis got vocal lessons between Follow the Leader and his newer. stuff after that. Um, <laughs> so he, he could sing, which is when I lost interest. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I, but 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 reading online and going, I went on to a lot of forums. Went on to like the Corn subreddit. There seems to be like the people who um, really enjoy Corn for the first three albums when they're like heavier, more raw, less melodic. Versus the newer Corn stuff, which is um, uh, much more uh, musical, I guess like music
1: forward, melody forward, um, and less like sloppy feeling. So. This is his discography with Korn. So he left in 2005.
0: Oh, weird. Mhm.
1: Yeah, cuz okay, I Okay, maybe I, I I knew he was on issues. With okay. It. Um just because I was like, "Ugh, I don't like this." But like it was just like huh. kind of a weird change for me at that point right but um but yeah he had maybe like, i
0: misunderstood that
1: okay two, he had four other albums that he did with them
0: okay never mind but, well then i just don't like those other albums. <laughs>
1: okay, there you go
0: i was trying to <laughs> i tried to pin it down to something like and I, so i thought that i i, I guess i misunderstood that I, there was there was there was like a shift in in the the people who enjoy the band mm-hmm. um who people who prefer the first three albums versus people who enjoy mm-hmm. the later albums and i just thought it was Maybe part of him because I really enjoy his drumming. Yes, yeah, he's a phenomenal drummer, mm-hmm. very, very good. Yeah, um, Fieldy as a musician, um, I appreciate that he was doing something different mm-hmm. with um, his bass guitar. But I am a bassist, mm-hmm. and he is—I <laughs> don't want to say bad. It's just um, he covers up a lot of his um, shortcomings with the clicky clackies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think and also he said in an, in an interview that he doesn't really even like bass. So <laughs> there you go. Maybe not. He the said it makes him sick. Uh, That's why he likes the clacky more than like the low bass noise. That's okay which is just in why did you even pick up the bass to begin with if that was the case yeah um and then you've got monkey and head who i can't distinguish from each other um they tend to they seem like they play pretty well together they don't do anything flashy or like um uh super technical but the the compositions that they put together are are uh they work for the style of music that they're doing mm-hmm. i think um, so I think everybody in the band kind of brings something a little bit, a little bit unique. Um, maybe not so much as spoiler alert, Limp Biscuit, who mm-hmm. I think is, is almost, um, the opposite where the musicians are more interesting than the front man. I think mm-hmm. in Korn, I think the front man, at least for the first three albums, the front man is more interesting than the rest of the band. Um, yep. because I don't think anybody in Korn is doing anything that's like super technical or unique, Although I think all of them together create a unique sound. I think Jonathan Davis, though, as a front man is very fucking phenomenal, especially watching like his early live performances. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, that dude. I've never seen anyone headbang harder than Jonathan Davis. Yeah. Ne- like I it was blowing me away. I was watching. I've been watching a bunch of their live videos. That dude goes absolutely fucking ape shit on stage. And it's cool as hell to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like, by the end of it, he's like on the ground, like, looks like he can't stand up. And so I I, I really appreciate, uh, I think I really appreciate Jonathan Davis more, like, kind of di- diving into this more than I ever have for him doing something totally unique on the album. You yeah. talk now. I've been talking a <laughs> <time. laughs>
1: No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> well, let's just, like, talk about, like, the album itself, right? Yeah. So I see that it... Has sold enough albums to get like two times platinum status, which yes. is like a huge amount that you don't really see a whole lot of anymore.
0: Also, what's weird about that is it this album never charted above number 72 on the billboard charts,
1: really? Right? Damn, yeah, that's weird. So it's just like had gained momentum, yeah, over a long time,
0: yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. I that, that, that floored me when I, I first heard I, I figured they probably didn't hit number one with their first album but I figured surely they would have gotten in the top like 20 or something but mm-hmm. no apparently it never broke 73 on billboard that's weird yeah damn but they were super excited about that because they were like I remember um, uh, there was an interview with Ross Robinson saying that um, I think it was like Head had called him or Monkey had called him <laughs> saying uh, oh my god we just sold 200 albums
1: you <laughs> bastards <laughs>
0: Um, And they were like floor. They're like 200 people are going to listen to our album. Yeah. And then like it was just like meteoric rise from there. That's crazy. Yeah. Damn. But Ross Robinson's first album.
1: Yeah. So uh, Ross Robinson, um, I think, look, we have to address the elephant in the room. You your name is Ross as well. Okay. Well, we've done it. Uh, let's see. Moving on. This album had four singles: uh, "Blind," "Need to," "Shoots and Ladders," and "Clown" was the uh, the fourth and final single. Uh, no music video for "Need to," and honestly, they didn't really need to. I feel like the the other three covered it. Indeed. I watched I watched all three music videos this morning. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this, yeah, that's just performance based music videos. It's uh, fairly common for like uh big be- like rock bands that are starting out
0: oh yeah mm-hmm. it's got a super um like 90s like uh late night liquid television like feel to them um like the corn uh, or the corn the clown mm-hmm. uh video
1: fucking god damn it that was funny <laughs>
0: It's like smells like teen spirit, but it's not.
1: Yeah. It's like if you combined smells like teen spirit with the smell of an armpit, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what that would be. But, uh, shoots and ladders was directed by Mick G and it's a combination of, uh, uh, recorded concert footage with like some like super saturated, um uh, like performance footage in front of like a, a nursery rhyme, like castle and that type of thing yeah and i did not know Mick G directed that i didn't either until i like went back and researched it and i was like damn he was with them from the beginning because i know he did the got the life music video right yeah later on um
0: they had like a whole making of for that video like on mtv i remember there was like <laughs> a whole, about right. like, hour long like yeah and mm-hmm. i watched it
1: because i was like "Greg capullo right <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see what else, what else? Uh, Ross Robinson, let's, uh, let's go back to him. So his production sh- shines through this whole thing. Yeah. And like you were saying for this to be his first album and it to be just like such a smashing success, uh, clearly not, you know, superseding 72 albums or whatever, like you were saying, but, um, just the, the sound that he gets on this is wild like it's it sounds so raw i don't know how many takes they did of this but i know that the band played most of the time uh to where they all played simultaneously and he recorded the instrumentation at the same time i'm sure he went yeah. back and did like vocal overdubs and whatnot over the course of the uh they and,
0: and they initially recording. tried to play to a click track and for people who don't maybe who haven't recorded music a click track is a little thing that a lot of the times a drummer will wear headphones and it's just like like a click 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 so they can keep uh, <laughs> so they can keep like a steady beat throughout the song and the tempo doesn't you know slow mm-hmm. or, or speed up. And Ross Robinson like realized when they first started recording he's like, this click track isn't going to work for these guys mm-hmm. because the way they play is so like emotion driven and so the the tempos are kind of all over the place. But I've always found click tracks to be annoying as hell. It sounds so robotic and overproduced. I much prefer to hear bands without a click track because mm-hmm. it's just, I know it, it helps with a lot of, especially like if you get to like the bigger, um, like you're playing like arenas and stadiums, you have to have like, uh, certain things synced up with the music. So you have to have that click track. So you know exactly when like timing lighting things, you know, are supposed to occur. Um, cause all this stuff is pre-programmed. Um, but I, I think it takes a lot of the emotion out of it. And I think this album, um, is helped by the fact that there is not a strict robotic click track playing in the background. It, it can speed mm-hmm. up, slow down, and it just, it makes it more raw and intense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's Ross Robinson's style. Like he, yeah. it's what he eventually gets known for.
1: Yeah. The, the intensity, the uh, vocal takes that he gets from like the various singers, because, you know, between him and then uh, I'm sorry, Jonathan Davis, uh, Fred Durst on that first limp album. Uh, Corey from Slipknot on those first couple of oh, albums. Yeah. Like all of that shit is like super raw. Like it comes from like a primal place. Yeah. And if you're playing heavy music like music like this. <laughs> music? Heavy music. <laughs>
0: It's like Gary Busey. Hey everybody, Busey. I'm Gary. I'm, I'm, I'm having Busey here. Uh, how's everybody doing today? I got nothing but teeth in my mouth. Uh, talk to those teeth. I did a Gary Busey impression on uh, uh, True Criminals just last week, so
1: it's fresh in my <laughs> He's mind. He's from Oklahoma, so it's fine. Is he okay? Yeah, it it's, it all makes sense. We'll have him on the podcast at a certain point, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, Wish. Uh, for for that type of intense music, having these. Raw vocal deliveries certainly helps, and uh, he can get that from people. Yeah. Um, also, like, there's a very poppy snare drum. Oh in yeah. This, which you wouldn't think would necessarily go with heavy music, but there's something about it just sounds. It just works so it well. Does. I can't put my finger on why, but like anytime David does like a drum roll, uh, it just man, it just sounds so fucking cool. Oh man. Yeah. It's rad.
0: They they specifically point out the fact that David plays to Jonathan's vocals a lot. Uh, Ross noticed, like, whenever he was, uh, they were like, you know, uh, warming up and and jamming around and stuff. That um, he could tell that uh, David was like specifically looking at or listening to Jonathan's like rhythm, and then and then matching that rhythm with his drums. And once you hear, once you know that, and you listen to it, very obvious what he's doing. But it it fucking works. It sounds so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that poppy snare drum though, goddamn, that sounds beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. It just it. It really, this album is a gut punch. Like, yeah. it really is. Um, well, staying on the drums, like the the biggest criticism I have for a Ross Robinson recording, and maybe he's since changed it, I don't know, but like the kick drum seems to get lost in yeah. the mix a lot for his various albums, and especially on a corn album that he produces because all you hear in place of the kick drum is Fieldy's bass then yeah. like clickiness and it just has like you have the clickiness of that with the poppiness of the snare and it, I don't know there's there's something like a little bit off but like I still enjoy this album but yeah like if if we could get a little bit of sweetening on that kick drum
0: i i have a theory about that um i think that it's it's due to them having to eq Fieldy's bass in such a way that because uh, you you've got you've got a lot of high end on that bass which you <laughs> Typically, you do not have any high end on a bass Hmm. Um, because it's a bass. (laughs) It's supposed Hmm. to be the lower part of the of like the uh, 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 of like the melody for the guitar. Yeah. Um, But with his with his bass. And I know there there was a thing when Ross said he was frustrated trying to get Fieldy's bass to sound right because um, it's so clacky. That you really probably have to—they probably had to crank that volume up on Fieldy's bass so much just to get a low-end sound from it—that mm-hmm. Um that I'm guessing that it curbs some of that that bass drum out of there. That's mm-hmm. just my theory, but yeah. I've, I've spent some time in a studio and played music for a long time, and that's the only kind of possible reason I can come up with mm-hmm. because it does definitely does sound like on um, like when you get to Limp Biscuit. Um, you definitely hear a lot more bass drum come out, at least mm-hmm. compared to this album, for
1: sure. That's funny. It's like the opposite problem that Metallica had on Injustice <laughs> for All, where they turned the bass way down so you could hear Lars's dumbass kick drum.
0: That is one thing I will say. Ross Robinson's production style, um, he always gets, he always brings the bass out. And I mm-hmm. think um, a lot of bands um, tend to put the bass in the background because they want... Forward sounding drums. They went forward sounding guitar, and you know they want forward sounding vocals. And so it's like, well, who's the guy that we can turn down? It's yeah. usually the bassist. Yeah. Um, but I think one hallmark of new metal is a very forward sounding bass sound, which I appreciate because, again, I'm a bassist. I prefer yeah. to be a bassist. I like bass better than guitar, even though I can play guitar. Just putting that out there. Mm-hmm. Anybody want to hire a bassist? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, there are parts of this album where the instrumentation cuts out with everything except the bass. And that's the only time you actually can hear like notes being played. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's just so clicky. It's so, it's wild to hear. Like it
0: makes a unique sound. It makes a sound that I'm like, yeah, that's corn, Mm -hmm. you know? So on that level, I, I like it, but yeah, on, on, if you're trying to point, if you're trying to pick out different instruments in this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, they can really sound muddled together, but that is the corn sound It's kind of this like Mm -hmm. muddy, sound and it also i think kind of fits with their image a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean that was my my next note like especially with the the bass and the guitars everything sounds so sludgy but that's part of what makes corn corn right. especially in this early era.
0: But even with that sludge it never sounds bad. Like hmm. it's super crisp and super clear um at least like the sound that ends up coming out and it doesn't sound too overbearing one way or the other. Um For, 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 you know, obviously the music that they're putting out to to make that sludge sound as clear and crisp as he does
1: is a phenomenal job, I Mm -hmm. think. Yeah. And then, like, especially for Korn to put out this album, I haven't heard the demo that preceded this. But on this first album there are all the hallmarks of what makes corn corn, which yeah. is incredible because sometimes you listen to bands and then it's maybe two, three albums in where you're like, Oh, and they figured out who they, right. they are. Um, Your Deftones. tones. <laughs> yeah. Like three eleven is, is like that a oh, little yeah, bit, you yeah. know. Incubus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jesus
0: Christ. Incubus is like probably the most radical change. From- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the sound of incubus is just like a my tie on a flip flop now yeah. that's all it is um but like the downtune, like seven string guitars were were present and like i don't even know what that means like i'm not a, like a uh melodic instrument person but i'm like i i get it like when somebody says yeah. it's like down tuned or whatever they, they, they were it.
0: downtuned to a and played on seven strings <laughs> Damn. for any music people out there um or non-music people that's really fucking low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They were actually um, uh, apparently going to stop making the Ibanez or Ibanez was going to stop making the seven string because it just wasn't selling. People didn't care. It was like jazz nerds were the only ones that played seven strings just because you got a little bit more places to play around on. Mm-hmm. And then whenever Corn started playing with seven strings, that was like their number one selling guitar for like a long time after that. Just oh, from yeah. Korn.
1: I'm sure. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, the groove inspired drums that we've touched on. Uh, it's a big hallmark for corn in this era. Like since they got rid of David or however that situation worked right. itself out. And then they got the the new guy Ray Luzier, Um Newt Gunray. Newt Gunray. Um uh they they lost a little bit of that groove for like their modern music, but I mean, it is what it is. Um yeah. But then for for, again, this album, uh, there's the, the screamed and the softly sung vocals that yeah. Jonathan has. And you didn't really have a whole lot of back and forth type of vocals, like especially on those early Metallic albums. It was just oh, like, yeah, it's kind of like all or nothing or whatever. But it was like very thrashy. So right. You know,
0: I feel like Nirvana kind of championed that uh, that uh, what's the word I'm looking for the
1: dynamic,
0: yeah, like the, yeah, yeah. the the melodic and then leading to just like screaming your head off, which I feel like carried through the rest of the '90s pretty heavily. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and then like in that that uh, music video for Blind, which is their their first single, um, they're wearing like flannel and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I've seen this before. <laughs> I can't think of where.
0: Hmm. You're waking your wife up off the couch, babe. Look at this. Look at
1: this. They're wearing flannels. They're not even lumberjacks. I. They don't cut down one single tree in this music video. <laughs> Siri is corn from Seattle. No. <laughs> so you you're telling me that sound travels south now? Well, that's not even the way the world turns. That's weird. That is spiral down. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of a, a good setup for the album, I would yeah. think. So do you want to get into talking about the uh, the different tracks? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, I don't want to. I was just saying if you wanted to. I guess. Do okay, I have a choice. All right, so uh, we're just gonna go track one through twelve on yeah. this bad boy, right. Um, on some albums, I guess there's like a 13th track, which is the hidden track. Yeah, yeah, but on this,, uh, it's not so. It is what it is, you know.
0: It's just a really like a fourteen-minute-long track at the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, well, I mean, let's just you know, let's just start with number one, which is "Blind," and uh, God damn, like what a way to open an album! To to this is the song that kicks off new metal. I know. Okay, sure. Like, why the fuck not? That's one thing that I feel like a lot of big new metal songs do well it doesn't even have to be a single but it could be like a deep cut in the album just so happens this happened to be the first song or the first single off the first album by the first new metal band and it's a it's a goddamn banger it is a this song fucks yeah are you
0: It it that are you ready? Isn't just like are you ready for the album? It's like are you ready for all the music that's going to come after us for the next like six seven eight years? Like, yeah, it was just like an immediate punch in the face, and it felt so fucking good. That uh-huh. first song, yeah, yeah, it, it that blind is is amazing. Do do you think that though? I, I noticed that on several songs um they're using drum triggers because you'll get a really low bass like mm-hmm. boom yeah. like in there and i wonder is david playing like is he is he is he activating the triggers is mm-hmm. he is he, he's playing them yeah he's got okay, a, cool.
1: like a little pad that he hits in that that blind video so yeah i
0: always like when drummers do that yeah. i know it's a much more complicated setup um, and drummers aren't the smartest people <laughs> <laughs> One of my best friends is a drummer. One of our best friends, is the guy we grew up with, is a drummer, and so it's yeah. We gotta gotta get it in there.
1: It's easy, easy yeah. to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, how many drummers do you think it takes to get that joke?
0: <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, no, no. There's there's a couple little drum triggers in there that gets really gets that big bass drop in there, and I feel like that kind of adds to like the hip hop feel a little bit, like having that artificial that bass 808, thing. yeah, yeah. But man, yeah, that that first song, goddamn. Mm-hmm. I mean, just out of the
1: gate, mm-hmm. ripping assholes. Which it's it's like I know Korn is an aggressive band, but also it's like. A little bit rude because he's like, Are you ready? He doesn't even give you a chance to respond. No. no. And they're like, Because we are. It's like a <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, an understood type of scenario where there's like, Because we are. Like you <laughs> like you could hear like if you listen real closely, yeah, and you like just really just like pretend to hear it almost, you can hear Ross Robinson from behind the glass stand. <laughs> I am like you just you can hear it. Okay. Yeah.
0: I know we're talking about the songs here, but have you heard Ross Robinson's voice?
1: Uh, I'm sure I have. Isn't it, like, real, like, hype? It's, like, mine, isn't it? It's, like, kind of annoying. No, no, (laughs) No, it's
0: much higher than yours. (laughs) Oh, really? Yes. Damn. Um... Because he has this reputation of being like we were talking earlier of being like kind of um, like like aggressive with the uh, with his artists, like mm-hmm. kind of you know, like, you know, getting a lot of emotion out of them. And so he has this reputation of being kind of like almost scary to work with. <laughs> but then you hear him and you try to picture him like screaming at like Phil from Pantera in yeah. this voice. <laughs> like, like, I was doing it earlier. like Okay, okay, Phil. Okay, Phil, I want you to really scream on this one, and I want you to pretend like your mother, um, like she's getting abused in front of you, okay? So, um, and if you don't, I'm going to come in there, and I'm going to hit you, okay? Like He's got this, I just can't imagine him getting like, um, <laughs> like being scary with this voice that he has. Mm-hmm. An amazing producer, nothing against the guy. Yeah. Because um, I love so many of the things that he's done, but Jesus Christ, listening to his voice, and then trying to put that with the stories that you've heard about mm-hmm. him,
1: I don't. I don't get it. It's like whenever you see what a horror movie director looks like, and <laughs> yeah. invariably they look like just like a happy nerd. You know, yeah. like you see Sam Raimi on the set of like any movie. He's wearing like a three piece suit and tie and shit. Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Old goggle face himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Blind. I I have to say that, um, kind of akin to uh, Nirvana's Nevermind, and then the. Uh, Metallica's, uh, well, Metallica, the Black Album, Yeah. like, th- like the opening track is my favorite song on the album. Oh. Just because it's like, <laughs> yeah. it just happens to be. Like, it, it right. just is. And I never get tired of listening to the opening tracks on both of those albums. And then the same thing here. Like, there's something about that build-up yeah. with just the, the ride cymbal, hitting the bell on the ride cymbal, and then, like, him asking the question that we don't get to answer. And then it just takes us right into it. And there's something about that little, like, like, he says, are you ready? They And then, like, everything comes together and they start, like, jamming. Yeah. And then there's that little bitty break, that, like, pause. Yeah. And then it comes back into it again. It's like, yeah. fuck. There's just something about that, like.
0: And you can tell they don't do, like, on a lot of albums where they'll, they'll mute. They'll actually just, like, remove the sound. You can hear a little bit of, like, a like a, like a a snare drum ring out kind yeah. of on that, though, where it's like, it's just like sludging along, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's perfect. It tra- just goddamn so much energy in that. That song.
1: drives me nuts when they just completely cut out the yeah, audio on something. It's like that's weird. But yeah. like all those sounds are artificial, you know? Right. That's, yeah. you know, fucking stupid. I hate music, <laughs> man. Hey, music when we were when we were growing up, man. That's when. The music it wasn't music.
0: It had emotion to it, not yeah. like this stuff today. Just, well, why am I doing this voice?
1: No, I, I can't help it. I can't. We live in Oklahoma. It, like our <laughs> default is like hillbilly, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, the, yeah, the the other note I have for this is the after the the song is over, there's a, a small break, and then there's a little musical interlude. Which is another thing that Ross Robinson used to do. Yeah. Because uh, he does yeah. it on the that first Limp Biscuit album yeah, like oh a, yeah. a few times. Yeah. Where like the song is over, but there's a little like extra bit in there. Right. Just for funsies or he whatever. He lets the
0: tape roll. Yeah, yeah. This is back when you, you had X amount of tape set aside for a song. Uh, you just couldn't let it, play, it record endlessly like digital. You like, yeah. would set a set amount of tape, and that's actually be, going to become uh, kind of important later in this album, Ooh, in this list. spoilers. Here. Yeah, yeah. Um... So yeah, that's blind. Yeah. Anything else to say about it?
1: No, no. Just no. like a great start to a great era that will continue forever yes, for time and memoriam.
0: And will never, ever be tainted or be looked down upon. Will always be held up in a um, as one of the greatest pantheons of music, new metal. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
1: Next up we got uh, Baltang. 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 Uh, Baltang Vinegar. Uh, so... I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on this song. Matter of fact, I have one question, which is what are these lyrics? I don't understand any of this. I, oh, I have an answer for you. Steve. <laughs> so, so gibberish esque. I looked yes. it up on genius and it had like, I don't know what it was. I, it's just like kind of weird stuff. But, uh, when I was listening to it on Apple music, sponsored contents, not sponsored. Fuck. God damn it. Uh, but it had like a whole, whole slew of. Give us of money, lyrics. Steve
0: Jobs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you coward.
0: Show your face. Yeah. Yeah. Piece of shit. Can, can we call him Steve Jobs if he never goes to work anymore? I have pancreatic cancer and I'm just going to eat nuts all day. Fuck you. Oh my God. Piece
1: of shit. <laughs> What's he ever done for us? Nothing. You know?
0: Yeah. Nothing.
1: Yeah. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people yeah. find us. We love Apple. Experience. Yeah, it's, it's very important.
0: Mm -hmm. so you had something
1: that was it it what what are these lyrics I don't know okay so
0: little story about this Mm -hmm. Um, old JD Mm -hmm. Jonathan Davis
1: he's
0: addicted to meth all right. Now, amphetamines? This voice makes sense for the story I'm about to tell. Okay. He's addicted to methamphetamines. Mm-hmm. One day they get Ross Robinson. Oh, Ross Robinson. Hey, buddy, can you take us down to the store? Well, guess what? It was their dealer's house. And Jonathan Davis buys a big old rock of methamphetamine. Damn. Without telling Ross Robinson what they were doing. <laughs> Ross Robinson, classically um, like a health nut. Oh, really? Yes. Big time. Got, was trying to get them to drink wheatgrass during the re- recording of this.
1: So he and David we were meth. just like out in the parking lot, just lifting weights, <laughs> yeah. pumping iron.
0: It's funny because in the interviews, uh, David's like, I fucking love wheatgrass. I was so glad that he brought it. It gives you energy and, and all this kind of stuff. And everybody's like, fucking wheatgrass. So you <laughs> drink beer and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> um, so they go and get a big meth rock. Okay um, then they Jonathan Davis snorts a whole bunch of it and records this song and the vocals you're hearing are him high on meth. okay Ball tongue hmm. is about, I guess their dealer hmm. um, who would get so high on meth that is he would seize up and his tongue would spin around in his mouth like a ball. This
1: was a manager they had. I did know. manager. okay okay, which manager. is wild. yeah I'm like you yeah, this person was managing you. But I guess it kind of worked. I mean, yeah, look where they're <laughs> you know, at now. Yeah, exactly, right.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so the whole song is about is about methamphetamine, sung while high on methamphetamine. Wow, um, Pfft, these layers, dude. Which makes it such a good song. Yeah, it's like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yes. It's the two layers. Jeff's an airplane. Eat shit. <laughs> When Peter makes you smaller No, fuck that Snort, yeah. meth, and sink <laughs> yeah. uh, But other than that, yeah It's an okay song Yeah I, I like it It's fine I think it may have been the first corn song that I heard
1: Really? I okay think.
0: it's a. It, it, it was within like a couple weeks of each other Okay That I heard a song we'll get to later Spoiler Okay It's not Clown The next, wait No, wait No, no there's another song in between that mm-hmm.
1: Yeah We need to get to it uh, Okay It's called Need To Need to. Well, shit, stumbled right you upon just did. it. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I only have one quick thing on this one, which is this song, track three, need to, sounds about like 30 other songs by new metal bands that will come later. There are so many parts of this song where it's like this reminds me of this Static X song, and also this Static X song, and then also this Static X song, and then like there are other parts of it where it was just like, this sounds like sludgy, kinda like 14 other new metal bands that would come out and have like one single later on. That's
0: that's funny you say that, because that is the exact same thing that I thought about multiple songs on this.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: specifically later on, uh, Helmet in the Bush. I, like, this sounds like a Korn cover band or like a band that is just like, we're, we're really influenced by Korn, and they just not try to sound exactly like Korn, like mm-hmm. bring nothing unique to the table. But yes, this song as well um, sounds like, <laughs> like an AI-generated new metal song. It's like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's not, it's just not, there's nothing interesting about it. There's nothing, like, it doesn't have a whole, like, the energy is pretty, just like, it's there, but it's not, like, there's no dynamics, there's no, like, picking up or slowing down. It's just all kind of, like, it sludges along and it finishes. Mm -hmm. This album is very much front-loaded, and I think this is the weakest of the first half Mm -hmm. of the album. I'd agree, yeah. Um, The second half of the album really kind of falls off for me, because I listened to this album a lot back in the day, and re-listening to it a lot lately, I'm like, I'm like, there's a couple songs on here I must have just like skipped every time because I don't really remember but I know I listened to it like a million times. Mm I think I just listened to my favorite songs and the rest of them just were there.
1: Yeah, it does feel like a Mandela type of effect when you go back and listen to old albums you know you've listened front to back to many times. Yeah. And... You look at a track listing You're like What song is this? Yeah This came out of nowhere On uh, Nirvana's Nevermind There's some song I can't even remember What the name of it is It's like uh, Track 7 or 8 Or maybe 9 Possibly 10 Could be 11 Maybe 12 hmm. uh, Where uh, I had no recollection Of it at all And I listened back To the album Multiple times recently And I was like I have no recollection Of the song Is it multiple I'm on a plane? Uh, on a plane? No It's uh, uh, Territorial it? pissings? No, that one I like Uh, uh, It's like uh, I'll I'll, I'll have to look it (laughs) up Yeah, yeah, it's gonna fucking drive me nuts I'll
0: I'll, I'll start the next Um, So yeah, that song, whatever Uh, Clown This is probably my favorite song on the album Wasn't always, but re-listening to it I'm like, man, this song is a jam This song has a really This is the song that's been stuck in my head For like the past three weeks I've been listening to this album Like, I've listened to this album fucking 20 times over the past two, three weeks mm-hmm. um, this is the one that gets stuck in my head mm-hmm. um, I think it's super fucking catchy the chorus is just great mm-hmm. and I think this is really the first time he does the like the really heavy scat <laughs> <laughs> like the, the the scatting that like he, he is eventually kind of known for like this yeah. is it's it's really scat heavy
1: mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's never not funny I know <laughs> Real quick, okay. uh, so that song was Lounge Act, the Never oh, Mind I love song. Oh, Lounge Act. Really? Yeah. I had no recollection of it at all. That album is one of my favorite albums of all time, if yeah. not my favorite. It's so good. Mm. Um, clown? Clown, yes. You uh, like it? You and I Facetime briefly last yes. night, and you had mentioned it, and you were like, that chorus is so catchy. So I went back and I listened to it last night, uh, and then multiple times today, and goddamn, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, I can, I can hear it. I know. Like, constantly. Yeah. Um, it is weird, because this wasn't one of the, the singles. No, yeah, it was yeah, Sorry, yeah. it was the fourth one. Um, but I'm surprised it didn't come into play earlier.
0: Me too. I'm surprised that, what was it? Uh, what was the... Uh, there was one that... Need to. Uh, yeah, Need yeah. to. Yeah, it yeah. was a single before this. And I'm like, how... Were they just throwing... I guess I guess the New Metal was still new enough. They probably weren't entirely sure what people were latching on to.
1: Mm-hmm. It was brand new Metal.
0: Yeah. B M. Bow and Movement. It has a nursery rhyme thing that I really like. Um which that was a thing. Like between like corn and Marilyn Manson. Oh boy. There was like a weird like Are we child molesters? We'll never tell. You know like
1: you, like, read between the lines. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Like,
0: especially Marilyn Manson, um, which I don't think Jonathan Davis was. I think Jonathan Davis was probably just, like, working out some of his shit that he went through, mm-hmm. which probably get to that a little bit later. Um, uh, but uh, Marilyn Manson, that guy's kind of weird.
1: Uh, he's not what I would call an upstanding gentleman. I think he's got a little bit about some...
0: Bats in the bullfrog. That's what
1: I was yeah. like. <laughs> you know, the batta belts. Batta belts. Battle belts. Hey, a <laughs> A bullet tongue. Um, yeah, a so, uh, yeah, really catchy choruses on yeah. this. The hi-hat work that David does on the verses is really cool as well. Yeah. Because um, there's not a whole lot of, like, fast songs on this album. A lot of it is, like, so groove-oriented that anytime there was any type of fast anything, it caught my attention a little bit more. And then, I guess my final note on this song is, why isn't it clown spelled with a K? Like, Ooh, they missed an opportunity. You're right. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah. Self-titled corn Album, zero stars. <laughs> <laughs> Dump Get it. Fuck Apple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This fucking Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> you son <serve> of a bitch. <laughs> shit.
0: <laughs> oh, um... So, yeah, that's that's Clown. Mm-hmm. Um, the next song I'm stalling because... Uh,
1: <laughs> do, you, do you know what it is? Do you want to go for it? Uh, go for it. Uh, track five is called Divine. I listened to it a couple of days ago, and I didn't... You know, I was just kind of like going through. I had it on in the background. I was uh, definitely not at work. Uh, but, you know, I was just like doing other things. And a, a lot of these songs, like you were saying, they kind of like get muddied into each other. There's a lot of stuff where I will be listening to this music just kind of like passively and not really paying attention. And so I lose track of like, oh, I'm like three tack or three tracks further into this album than I thought I was or whatever. Right. Um, and Divine was kind of like that. But I was listening to it later today and I had my, my earbuds in listening to this and it has like... It has like more of an up tempo feel to it. Yeah. And I was like, god damn. I think I like this. Like uh, it's a little bit of like uh, uh like a pit song. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like right like Yeah, especially y- the, the the verses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, hey y'all, we about to get in that pit. It's <laughs> <laughs> getting the pit, guys. Um, but yeah, it's one of the faster songs on the album, and evidently, from what I read, Robert Trujillo from Suicidal Tendencies and oh, checks yeah? Notes, Metallica helped co-write this song. Metallica? Yeah. Yeah. What? Metallica? Really? very damn selves, yeah. Huh. hmm Okay. Which is weird. I don't, I don't know why. Like, I don't really enough know enough about his, like, bass playing style, or whatever. Maybe he, like, played guitar back in the day yeah. as well. I don't know.
0: Kirk Hammett was like, hey, guys, listen to death. <laughs> I'm Kirk Hammett. <laughs> Will you guys stop beating me up?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like a South Park character.
0: Yeah. I feel like every time I see an interview with Metallica, they're just like pick on Kirk. Hammett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really have... Uh. The song's okay. Yeah. It's... I enjoy it. I think the chorus is a little bit uh, grating and kind of annoying a little bit. Um... Just like his vocal intonation, which he does it a lot. But for some reason, this song just kind of Mm -hmm. like, I'm just like,
1: it's it's moments like that on this album where I'm like, okay, I see the new wave influence coming through. Right. Like we're like, if I didn't know that was his influence, I wouldn't have like picked up on it. I would have just been like, oh, this is just how corn is or whatever. Right. But now that you know, mm, now we have the battle and we're surviving it. Yeah, yeah. So. Go, Joe. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> hmm. okay. So here we are, track six. Yes, track six. One. And look, the like you said, the whole point of this podcast is to look at new metal with a critical and hilarious set of eyes and try to dissect it. And look, we we have to just be professional about this, you know. We have to look at it as art, and not all art you're going to agree with, but it's art, so uh, it lies before you, and all of its ugly scars and whatnot. So let's just try to approach this from a clinical and mature standpoint, Yes, and let's just get through it. Uh, I'm just going to read this as it's written here. We're going to talk about track six, Phage It. Um... (laughs) So, the the thing about this song, I loved
0: him in uh, America's <laughs> Funny Some Videos. Yeah. He's,
1: he's oh, Bob Faggett. Oh, oh man, God, he's so good. He's so funny. He was doing all the voices, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, this song, I I feel like if this song had a less controversial slash problematic song title, I feel like this could have been a radio single because yeah. it's also very catchy it is yeah outside of like jonathan davis shouting hiv which is hiv throughout the song did you do you know about this what yeah at the beginning is that like he goes that's like in the the lyrics and evidently he has hiv (laughs) tattooed on his arm that was on something i saw online and again you can't lie on the internet you can't do it i've tried I did not know this about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, I looked up a
0: lot of stuff about this album. I did not know Hiv was in there.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> this is. Uh, I guess that was something that Jesus people Christ. like shouted at him when he was in school because he was like wore frilly shirts and listened to uh, new wave and that type of thing. So yeah. people uh, insinuated that he was gay or whatever.
0: I get it because. I don't know about you, but we both grew up in a small town, and um, I'm fairly certain that I got called this word more than most gay people do today. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I don't mean, like, on a daily basis. I mean on a nigh-hourly basis. <laughs> right, yeah. I got called this word a lot, and part of me feels like, well, maybe I can say it because there's no malice in my heart. And also, I've been called it a million times. Yeah, um, and But. The- <sighs> It, unless I'm saying it as a joke. <laughs> then it's cool. Then it's funny. Then it's fucking hilarious. As, as, a, as a, as a, no. It, yeah, I wonder if Interscope made them change the spelling of that.
1: I don't know. They were like, hey guys, you know how you misspelled your band name? Um, <laughs> yeah. Hear me up. Hear me up. Steve Jobs. <laughs> coming in here. There's, there's a combination of that and then also like... How smart do you think the fellas in the band Corn are? You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe this is—they were like, uh, I've, I felt like this is probably. I think we know the spelling on this.
0: And nobody wanted to tell him. Just like, no, 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 go with it. Go with yeah, it. Go with yeah, it. Just let him take
1: it fagin. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Just like, yeah, <laughs> just help him get out of my office with this bullshit.
0: I will say this is what he brought up earlier with the homophobic slurs. So yeah.
1: at the end of the song. You think this song has homophobic slurs? Um, no. Oh.
0: Yes. Well, <laughs> Controversial opinion. I mean, obviously, Jonathan Davis is like cool with gay people. And he said, like, obviously, you should never call a, you know, like a gay person this word. But it's something that I was called a lot. And it was like him kind of like exercising his
1: demons a little bit. Almost by, like he by was by like, like it. reclaiming it. Right. In a way, even though he's not gay, so it's like a little bit weird, yeah. but also like I don't feel that Jonathan Davis hates, like he has malice in his heart toward no. the LGBT no. community, right?
0: But the very last, I don't know if you looked at the lyrics. The very last line of the songs mm-hmm. of the song he says. Fuck all you queers! <laughs> right. But he says it in a, such a specific way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not queers. It's queers mm-hmm. Like
1: yeah, <laughs> like it's very it, Oklahoman. Like. Yeah, it's like it's like guar, but like quar. You know? <laughs> yeah, like it's uh, very much like. E- even though they were from California, I don't know if Bakersville is like a redneck esque part
0: it, of California. Yeah, something? it's 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 more of like a rural. Um, it's like an oil big oil town. Oh, so yeah. it's like a lot of a lot of conservative people. Are okay, going to live there. so that's yeah. where
1: that comes from. Because he like nailed that. Like, if that's yeah. the the vibe he was going for, he fucking nailed it. Because it's all right there in that intonation.
0: And I think this song is one of the wa- one of the reasons that corn clicked with a certain type of people. Mm-hmm. We all know the kind of people I'm talking about. The people who wear Cookie Monster PJs bottoms to Walmart. No. <laughs> no, like, like I, 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 loved it, but, but, but Korn, their, their modern fan base is, I feel like, um, a lot of like small town people, mm-hmm. um, like outsider types, like, like we were, mm-hmm. um, relate to them because of, because of a song like this, because yeah. they can listen to this and be like, holy shit, this is me. This is someone speaking to what I go through and to what I experience on a daily basis. Um, so I think this is one of the songs that really like solidified them into that group. Whereas mm-hmm. I think I feel like bands like Limp Biscuit never had the staying power with that particular group. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously they were into them at the time, but I think even now, like I drove through our old hometown mm-hmm. um, just like this summer. And went to go get, without vis- visiting my parents, and um, went to go grab gas at the... Meth store. The Minute Mart. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is, I think it's called like Speedy's now, which is perfect
1: for a small town addicted to meth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, Bunch of people just scratching their necks <laughs> yeah. from outside.
0: I saw a kid who could not have been older than 14 years old wearing a corn shirt. Mm. And I was like, wow. Yeah. still to this day resonating with like like the weirdos and mm-hmm. the outsiders and like kind of the people that feel outcast from society. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Jonathan Davis has like a pipeline straight to those people. Mm-hmm. And for good reason, because he seems like a fairly intelligent guy. Um, kind of intelligent. <laughs> I don't give him too much credit here. Yeah. He seems like a fairly intelligent guy though. but But emotionally he seems intelligent because he's yeah. been through some insane shit. Mm-hmm. And I think that just rings true with so many people. Mm -hmm. And I think that that song really did.
1: Yeah. The, the lyrics come from a very like real and sincere place, right? Which is common for a lot of like new metal bands.
0: And you don't hear a whole lot of other bands talking like this or Mm -hmm. speaking like this to a specific group of people who get called this every day. I think it's probably better
1: now. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, I've never heard Rivers Cuomo once call somebody "quar." Like he's not like, (laughs) Well, you Rivers? need to start listening to Weezer. <laughs> <laughs> Have you like which self-titled album?
0: <laughs> oh, we homo, I look just like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, do you think no. if that that little like fourteen-year-old kid, like if you were to walk up to them and be like, "Hey, you like corn, right?" He'd be like, "Yeah, dude, I love dubstep." Like, is that his era of corn? Didn't know? they do a, yeah, they did a dubstep album? Didn't mm-hmm. they? Wow. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess Skrillex does look like jonathan davis yeah Yeah, that kind of makes sense
1: yeah it's like if you put uh different frames on jonathan davis's face you'd be like is that skrillex or
0: well i I also feel like the kid would probably be like i love classic music you know like Mm corn like like he's like probably sees himself as because you gotta think this album what 94 Mm -hmm. kids 15 maybe 15 Mm-hmm. Um, which means he was probably born 2005, which was like well after their like heyday, really, mm-hmm. like when they first, you know, broke out. So for him, like this, this band he's been listening to
1: precedes his birth by like 10 years. By the time this kid was born, David Silvera already out of that fucking band. Damn. Mm-hmm.
0: Feel old yet? Millennials. <laughs> I had one more note on this song. Mm-hmm. So they played this song and this is an infamous, I don't know if you've heard this, but they played this song in Tulsa, which is where we live.
1: Oh, I thought it was daddy that did this, but yeah, no, go, go because ahead.
0: they've only played
1: daddy like twice, oh,
0: once okay. or twice life before they did their 20 year, like, uh, uh, anniversary for the album. They played mm-hmm. the whole album in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Um, but no daddy. No. Um, but fage mm-hmm. <laughs> it, uh, they, Played it in Tulsa, and a bunch of people were calling him Fajid. Oh, my God, to his face. Like, like screaming and laughing at him. And he, like, apparently, like, walked off the stage and was like, fuck Tulsa, I'm never playing Tulsa again. So, thanks, guys. Yeah. Very immature. Uh, yeah. Love the city that we come from.
1: <laughs> well, talking about the, the song itself, and this is my final note on this, is... Um, it's a fucking banger like this oh, song. Yeah, yeah. Like despite the lyrics musically, it pummels you. Yeah. Like it's really the ending when it's just that like plodding. Dun, 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 well, that's dun, dun, dun. The, that's the thing is like this song has two buildups yeah. in it, like past the halfway point, And it's like, damn, they're going to go for a second buildup. And they do. And it lands both fucking times. Yeah. Like I could see the crowd erupting with the song live. Both times. Oh, yeah. Like, it's wild that they yeah. would do that. They're like, um, you know, we just did a buildup. Guys, why don't we do this shit again? I'm saying we go all the way with faget
0: Looks like they got a short refractory period, if you know oh. what I'm saying here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Climaxing twice in five minutes? <laughs> Sounds like me at
1: 15. <laughs> Uh, any other notes for you on that one? Nope. Okay. Well, let's go into, uh, track seven shoots and ladders misspelled S H O O T S as if it were done fired by some gun. <laughs> uh, so it's weird that they misspell certain things or use different like homophones or whatever. Oh, Hey, he's talking about the last song. Oh, uh,
0: it's, it's a thing with all new metal bands though.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. Like, or not all
0: of them, but they all like to play around with weird spellings.
1: God damn it, you're right. Yeah. Because Slipknot has a song called Sick, but it's like, S-I-C, yeah, S-I-C, K-E-Y-M-O-E-O-C, um, sicky mouse. Yeah. But it's like in the the parentheses as if it were like, uh, used like in grammar in an article or whatever. Yeah. People fucking get it, why am I over explaining this? But like, uh, yeah, you're right.
0: Fuck, go to English, you dummies. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, what, circle of a noun. Uh, 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 I was joking.
0: <laughs> the joke is if somebody had me a grammar test right now, I would fucking fail it. <laughs> What's an article of preposition? I don't fucking know. Yeah.
1: We're, go, we're going on a mission to find a preposition. Do you remember that song from back in the day? No. <laughs> no okay. I do not. Yeah, me neither. Anyway, <laughs> shoot some letters.
0: This song I think is the first one. I think I may have heard Baltongue before and like liked it, but this is the one that I remember being like, who the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Who the fuck are these guys? There's bagpipes, there's scatting, there's nursery rhymes. <laughs> nursery rhymes. Yeah. This song has it all. Yeah. <laughs> this song. Yeah. This, is
1: <laughs> <laughs> this song is like if let's let's say that like in some alternate reality like other corn albums came out before this one, and Exhibit got a hold of, the, of it, and he was like, "Pimp my corn." He was like, "Yo, I heard you like bagpipes, nursery rhymes, and then what was the other thing you say? Scatting? Scat. <laughs> They're just like, we we took all of it, and put it one song for you, and then it's all right there. Like all the weird shit that you would want and expect from a corn album is yes, in this fucking exactly. song." This is the
0: distillation of this entire album. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and I thought because of the long, long bagpipe oh, intro yeah. that's on this. Like, they play this song on the radio, and they have, like, a radio edit of the, the yeah. bagpipe intro. Yeah. So when it, like, I was listening to this album uh, as one unit, and as, like, uh, Phage It ended, it was just, like, silent for a long time for the most part. And then the it, the such gradualness that the bagpipes come into this one, I was like... Like, is this train ever coming to the station or what? Like, it's it's really taking us time. But I will say, I part of me thought, well, this could have been like a decent song to lead off the album. But um, I, I also really like Blind kicking everything off. Yeah. I think maybe if the the intro to this were just like naturally shorter for the, the actual album, maybe that would be the case. But like. I don't know. Uh, I, I I think you could like swap either one of them. Um,
0: it takes a while to get there, but when it does, it really fucking gets there. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny I story uh, about uh, this song. Uh-huh. They uh, so so the bagpipes are the loudest instrument, like the loudest like natural instrument that's not like amplified. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't need amplification. Mm-hmm. Bagpipes are like ear piercingly loud because they play for. Um, uh marked like like armies like marching so they were really loud so that everybody could you know march along Mm -hmm. with the bagpipes yeah um so they couldn't record in the studio so jonathan davis had to go outside of the studio open up the back door Mm -hmm. and walk back and forth that's how it kind of gets that like fade in and fade out yeah until they achieved that was him just walking by the back door playing the bagpipes but like not even in the studio proper yeah um but I, I, I enjoy the bagpipes, and I noticed one thing for any music nerds out there. Um, so bagpipes uh, will always have like a root note. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear like the bomb, and then you'll hear like on top of that, like... But it's all like the same key, like playing off the same note to do like a little like up and down harmony kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, the guitars, when the guitars come in, the same thing happens. And so you hear like the, I'm guessing one of the guitarists holds the, the, and then you hear the second guitarist come in and it, it, it's like mimicking the bagpipes, which I never noticed until like, I was really like super focused in on this song, but mm-hmm. it's like, they're trying to do like the bagpipe, um, like those weird harmony things that they do, um, with like e-harmony. Guitars. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Dot com, mm-hmm. Not a dot net. Not a dot com yeah. Dot com. Yeah. Sickos. God. I know you were thinking it.
1: These <laughs> listeners. I'm telling you. They <laughs> get their shit together. Well, that's interesting because it, it brings me to this. What I would consider my most important note over this whole album listening experience, oh, which is. We all know that Jonathan Davis plays the bagpipes. Obviously, he's done it on multiple Korn albums. You could see him play this live. Uh, it's like a quirky little Korn fact that yeah. people pass around, right? I've never heard anyone ask or answer, clearly, the question, why does he know how to play bagpipes? Does, did, was he gifted... Bagpipes as a youth? Yes. Why?
0: His grandparents are from Scotland, and I believe his that's grand- no excuse.
1: <laughs> that's no excuse for them to do this dirty like that. Hey, you got me. <laughs> now, like, it's, it's like, is this some form of like child and or parent abuse? Like, why would <laughs> well, you do
0: that? Well, also, he had horrible asthma. So asthma so bad that he had to be hospitalized and if anyone knows anything about the bagpipes um if you have asthma it's not the best instrument to play because it requires you blowing a lot into a bag to fill it up with air
1: yeah you know how like if somebody has a panic attack you hand them a paper bag if it's a sitcom and they breathe into it right like what if they were like he was having a panic attack and they were like "Uh, uh i don't know this and they hand him bagpipes he just like has a natural gift for it (laughs) <laughs>
0: like he's like dying, his face is turning purple. Yeah. I like, this is this is some good shit. <laughs> yeah. I um, mean he wears like a he wears like a skirt. A kilt, yeah. Or yeah, a kilt. huh <laughs> I'm I'm Scottish, I should know this. <laughs> yeah. You're German and Scottish. I'm German and Scottish, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um my mother's side is is heavily Scottish. Mm-hmm. Um my grandfather is
1: from Scotland. Um you know, we never introduced ourselves at the beginning of this episode. Oh, hey, I'm Ross. <laughs> I'm Brent. So, <laughs> hey, welcome to halfway through welcome. the show at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah. Okay. So he was he was gifted bagpipes, and I guess yeah. he just like played them around the house. Well,
0: I guess I think one of I can't remember if his grandmother or grandfather played them, so they like taught him how to play.
1: Oh, okay. Because yeah, bagpipes are not cheap; they're expensive as fuck. I wouldn't even know. Like, I I would. More easily be able to figure out where to buy a rock of meth than bagpipes. Yeah. Like I don't. You just asked me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, meth, you, you, not the bagpipes. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> how the fuck to get I was like, Yeah. <laughs> what is this? That's insane. That's Math, thing. hold on. We're in Oklahoma. Um, uh, the, uh, the final note I have for shoots and ladders is like, how many hundreds of thousands of people do you think have moshed to the lyrics knick-knack, patty-whack, give a dog a bone. It oh. has to be so fucking many. I would say in the tens of thousands. Oh, I, I feel you like with all, hundreds? all the world tours yeah. over all the decades. That's true. Gordon is still around, play, like releasing albums, playing shows. Yeah. And I feel like this song is big enough that they play this, if not every show, like almost every tour cycle, right? So it has to be in the hundred thousands. Yeah, you're probably right. Like, sometimes when I'm, damn, asleep at night, I'm like, you know, I, I can feel my bed jostle a little bit, because I feel like Korn is in Japan, and they're playing this song, and I'm like, I think people are moshing to shoot some ladders right now? I'm like, this makes sense to me, you know?
0: You carefully slip your dick out of the little boxer hole, mm-hmm. <laughs> start stroking it, mm-hmm. and then... Then you come. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. Hey, you, hey you know what? You can cage me all you want, dude. I'll find a way. <laughs> I got a series of Q tips I use. <laughs> I thought that's where the story was going. <laughs> uh, anything further for you on Houston and Ladders? Not for me. All right. Move on to track eight, which is Predictable. This
0: song is Predictable. Yep. I mm-hmm. uh, don't have anything
1: to say about this one. No, yes. Yeah, th-
0: uh, very forgettable.
1: Yeah. Another
0: AI generated corn song. Yeah,
1: for sure. Like, they could have scrapped the song and, like, need to, and yeah. I think the album would have been stronger. Yeah. But I don't know if maybe those songs were ones they wrote early on, and they were like, well, let's just keep these because they've been around for longer. And then they developed other songs over time. And
0: I want to say both of these were on. Uh, I better not say that because I don't know for sure. But I want to say one of them was on the. um. The demo that they first recorded.
1: Well, if it wasn't, that's yeah. that's NDC canon at this point. So, yep. it's it's established here. <laughs> Put that in the wiki. Um, the only note I have for this song is uh, that I'm not into the, the the vocals, and I think the uh, like you were saying, the music sounds like it's from a corn cover band. Yeah, yeah. So, corn did an okay job of covering corn.
0: <sighs>
1: that was the sound of yawning. Brought to you by Zequel Oh. The dogs have something to say about that. <laughs> See, if we acknowledge it, then we just... Yeah. We don't have to edit, edit it out.
0: We can keep moving on.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, track nine is a, a song called Fake. Do you have notes on this one? Again, Not I... Not
0: I listened to this... I listened to this back half repeatedly trying to find something, something that I was, like, into like I was in the first half of the mm-hmm. album, and really... No, nothing, nothing about this one either.
1: Yeah, so I just have one note, um, and really, it's based on something you said on the previous episode of this podcast, uh, which I strained my brain to try to remember. But you had mentioned um, Pantera in the realm of new metal as being an influence, and I like Pantera a lot. But like, I I didn't really hear a lot of uh, obvious um, association with them to new metal. Uh, in my recollection of it. However, uh, they they have the groove, they have like the, the riffy guitars, that type of thing. But, you were fucking 100% right with this song. And, I, I do have to say that I apologize for doxing you, for photoshopping you in all those uh <laughs> January 6th Insurrection photos Because I was like This motherfucker He doesn't know What he's talking about He's not des- the
0: first one To do it
1: <laughs> He deserves all of this So <laughs> I, I will eventually Take Within the next Two three months I'll take okay, those down
0: thank you. thank you Two three
1: months From this episode's airing We're recording in December This will come out In like January Maybe 2023 I don't know yeah. But yeah. um Absolutely. The clean guitar In the verses of this song Sound so much like Pantera's This love The first yeah. guitar there and I was like, God damn it. That's right there. It's like the, the reverb uh, on the clean guitar. And it's, yeah, that uh, that Pantera album came out two years prior to this one. Oh, nice. And so I'm sure there were a lot yes. of, uh, it was a, a big album for them, too. Vulgar Display of Power.
0: Fucking great album.
1: Front to back. Damn. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. Hell yeah. I love that album. Yeah. Um, okay. So nothing beyond that. Uh, cool. Track track ten is called "Lies." Um, the only thing I have for this one is that the chorus is sung by Head, uh, the guitarist, oh, really? with uh, vocals uh, like growling underneath is Jonathan Davis.
0: Okay. Because my one note on this was uh, I I did kind of like the chorus in the song. Oh well, there you go. So Head, good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was getting some head, getting getting some head. I was getting some head, getting getting some bread. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, I, I think like during the recording of this album had had his head in the clouds, smoke clouds, drug clouds, whereas now he's got his head in the clouds in the way of Jesus. So
0: I did see something that said he apologized for being so, uh, such an annoying Christian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, yeah, he's a he's a God lover, which is fine. Like, yeah. you know, some some of them are okay. I think he's maybe backed off of that a lot. Yeah, I think he, he recognized that like, he was, like, going overboard. That was, like, his new addiction. Not just going
0: overboard, but kind of being like, I don't know that I'm, like, a Christian really anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Or something I could be misquoting him, but it was something along the lines of, like, I got really into it to, like, because I thought I was, like, getting sober and, like, getting better, but it turns out I'm just, like, underlying mental problems. <laughs> It's uh wish more people could uh turn to Jesus. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> the one true. Um so yeah, that was my only note on lies. Yeah. Um uh, track eleven, and you had mentioned this previously, but uh, track eleven is Helmet in the Bush. Um Is that a clit reference? That oh, you don't know about this one. Oh no. Okay, so this is like I guess when you do a lot of meth, your dick shrinks. <laughs> <laughs> and the head of your penis is like a helmet in the bush. So but I've never done meth. What is? But maybe now's the time to start. I, th- I feel like for the purposes of <laughs> the podcast, we need to go all the way for this, right? We need to like really like, dig dicks out? deep. Oh, smoke meth. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can pull our dicks out as well. Like, well, we, gotta, we like,
0: gotta... Hey, this is a science... We, we want to get to the bottom of this. We have to take an analytical approach to this. We so have The to. only thing we can do is smoke meth and compare dicks.
1: Yeah, I'm texting my wife right now. Is it okay, spelled O... Like the letter O and K. Yeah, um, sure. Always represent the state, right? Yeah. Uh, to smoke meth. Send. That's the three dots. Just like <laughs> popping up and going... it's oh, popping up. Um, I thought you were- <laughs>
0: I was like, "What's she gonna say?" <laughs>
1: um, so uh, the the only note I have on this is like this ch- song, uh, bizarrely enough, for like this album, it has like programmed drums. Yeah, on it. I know, I know, and that. it gives off a real like Nine Inch Nails type of vibe to yeah. me because the drums are the same thing throughout the entirety of the song. Yeah. There's no like ebb and flow like the rest of the the album. Um, and with, with like you were saying, with everything being played live and the tempo shifting ever so slightly throughout the course of the album, for this one to have just, like, steady drums the whole time, yeah. it's a little bit, like, disorienting. It but is. also, like, I, I kind of like this song, partly because of, like, the stupid nature of the song title. Yeah. But then also, like, it's just, I don't know, it's just, uh, just, like... Odd enough to where it's interesting to me. I don't know if that's uh, one that I'm going to go back and listen to a lot, right? But it has some like different textures to it.
0: Yeah, they, they they did the thing, and I think I feel like Roth Robinson is good about going. Okay, we can't make the entire album just sound like like we we have to throw in something interesting, something mm-hmm. weird, something different, maybe something that you guys aren't used to doing to give the album a little bit of flavor, to give it some like mm-hmm. dynamic thing so every song just doesn't... Especially after a band's first album, they usually, like the sophomore slump, is they end up writing songs that all kind of sound the same. Mm-hmm. And I think Ross Robinson is really good about not letting a band do that, mm-hmm. even though this is their, their first album really good about about trying to make each song unique in some way
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean he can only do so much because there's a couple songs on here that just kind of blend together and I even having listened to this song or this album 20 times I
1: couldn't tell you the difference in some of those songs because they're just so ugh, they're just basic um, it's funny that you mentioned that because I just found an audio recording of Ross Robinson. Where he's talking about doing that? Yeah. And uh, I'll play it for you right now. Hey, guys. We have to add some flavor to the corn. We have to add flavor to the corn, guys. We have to do it. Jonathan, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. Somebody bring him a Game Boy Advance. He's uh, he, We need to cheer this fella up. My dick is so small. <laughs> Uh, we have fun. Take that, Jonathan Davis. <laughs> um, okay, so let's, let's uh, move on to track 12, which is Daddy. Um, and my God is Nothing to say about this song at all. <laughs> Close it up. <laughs> this song is fucking hard to listen to, especially <gasps> if you, like, know about what it is. Like, it's not a fun song to listen to in general. No. To me, but uh, it is an interesting artifact of... This band and the genre as a whole. It you know? might
0: be the most fascinating song, not the best. I don't think it's even the top five best songs on the album, but I think it's the most interesting um, because of the backstory. Um, so I did a lot of reading about this because I'd always heard it and I was never 100 percent because I, when I had the album when I was younger, I. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just blocked this song out. I think I listened to it like once or twice, Mm -hmm. but like the the end of the album has already gotten kind of like stale for me. Mm -hmm. So I think I listened to this song and probably was just like, no.
1: <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done. No. Dude, you remember back in the day, back when we were kids? Yeah. We there were no iPods. You know, you couldn't listen to it on your Apple phone. You iPhone, know, phone,
0: iPad. I don't know anymore. No, I stole that from Scott Ackerman.
1: <laughs> but we did have like uh, stereos that had like multi-disc changers in there. Oh yeah Oh yeah I had one that was like A three disc changer And I would put in like Three different CDs I would want to listen to At night As I'm going to bed Or whatever And then I would just like Put it on shuffle And then you listen to One song then you would hear That clanking Clanking (laughs) Of a giant Plastic That was a feature Please wait 30 seconds (laughs) Yeah Yeah (laughs) And then it would play Here it comes Yeah And damn, the anticipation of, like, will I like this song? (laughs) Oh, I don't. I guess I'll suffer through it or get up out of bed to change it. Like, the first one I had didn't have, like, a remote to it, so I would have to get up to change it. But you would inevitably find yourself in a situation to where you would get to a song that was haunting to listen to. Yeah. Especially if you listen to, like, rock. Right. There was, like, some, like, dark shit. And this is one of those tracks. There are, like, a few other ones or whatever that... Um, there's just like certain things that like maybe you get to something there's like a a Fatboy Slim album that I had back in the day of all things to where it's not like sinister at all but there was like some sample that he would play that it sounded like he was repeating my name over and over in such a way that I was like I woke up in the middle of the night to that. And I was like, shit. what the fuck is happening? And I had, like, never heard that part of that deep cut in that Fat boy Slim album before. Fatboy Boy
0: like, Brent is fucking in heaven. Oh, Fatboy Boy God. Brent <laughs> is fucking in heaven. Yeah.
1: And, man, I tell you what, I felt like I was in hell. <laughs> so uh, I can imagine, like, trying to, like, go to sleep to this song just, like, popping up oh. on random. And then you get to this, like, dark shit at the end where he's, like, crying and you're just like slowly pulling the covers up over your face or whatever, like. Well, it starts out with that chant. Oh, I guess I yeah I blocked I listened to that song before you came over tonight, and oh. my brain has like scabbed over yeah. that whole thing. I guess it's, it's a
0: defense mechanism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. your brain. <laughs> yeah. But no, there's like a, it's like starts out and he's like, <laughs> it's like this like haunting oh, yeah, like right. echoey. I actually really like it. I think it's really. Uh, it's neat to have in the middle of like, j- like, like I said, even with like the bagpipes thing. There's like, there's all these little um, like treats in there, um, and and this is a treat followed by uh, a big kick in the dick. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you know the story behind this? Uh, somewhat, but you can go ahead and, and say. Okay, so, um, Jonathan Davis, his parents divorced when he was young, um, and he mostly uh, lived with his mother and step father um he did briefly live with his father and his stepmom but his stepmom apparently was like really abusive towards him like like mentally and like a little bit physically like um his dad was like a uh, like a folk musician so he had like a studio like a music studio and he was like always was trying to become like a like a musical sensation it never happened um and so uh, jonathan says you know i think my dad was just way more interested in trying to become a rock star than he was in raising me so he ended up living with his mom and his stepdad um well he had a babysitter um apparently it was like older okay and um it was a girl right no 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 and uh so this babysitter abused him sexually a lot and he told his mother and stepfather, and they were like, "No, that's not happening." Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, Jonathan Davis hasn't talked about it a lot. He's only talked about it a few times. <laughs> For some reason, he doesn't like talking about it. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> don't know why you wouldn't want to give in-depth interviews. But from what he said, this is like the story that he's told. Um, unfortunately, he names the song "Daddy," <laughs> so yeah. guess who everyone thinks the song is about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the lyrics in it definitely impl- imply that his dad is raping him, and that his mother is like watching, basically, like sees it happen and just doesn't care. Um, so it it it, it the song isn't it, it's it's difficult listening to it because it definitely sounds like his dad is raping him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 yeah, so uh i don't want to talk about this song anymore
1: <laughs> yeah it, this one's a, uh, a difficult one it's like uh it's hmm. when you think about it as art i appreciate that he was willing to like put himself out yeah. there and express that for people who were going through similar things
0: and right? that is one thing he has said is is a lot of people that's like one of the songs he gets like the most like people coming up to him and being like this song meant so much to me mm-hmm. because i went through something like similar yeah and hear like someone talk about it and show openness and emotion about it. Um, because I feel like I've had to like bury it and hide it Mm -hmm. to hear somebody, you know, just so raw. And, and if you haven't listened to this, um, I, I don't know that I would, I would recommend listening to it once. If you Mm -hmm. don't have any type of, um, um, existing, just know what the song's about. Yeah.
1: Like trigger (laughs) Um, warning trigger. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah
0: libs um (laughs) no but really no it trigger warnings are are fucking completely valid Mm -hmm. um and this one it has a big one um and 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 i would say listen to it once because rarely have i heard this level of like emotion Mm -hmm. and vulnerability come from a band especially Mm -hmm. a hard band like this like a heavy kind of aggressive band to hear someone have a full on fucking breakdown where they just, I mean, he, so if you have else to do it, they, they sing the song. And by the end of it, Jonathan Davis is just losing his mind and starts crying and freaking out and screaming. Mm -hmm. And it's not a put on because either Jonathan Davis is the best actor alive or like he had a fucking breakdown. He had, he had a fucking breakdown recording this you hear it Yeah. Um, And uh, Ross Robinson, um, you know, obviously was like, is is infamous for for getting this kind of emotion out of people. But apparently before they recorded, Ross Robinson just said, you know what to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And sent him on his way. Didn't like, didn't, you know, like from some of the horror stories I've heard, he like will like research people's lives and like bring up traumatic things to like trigger them into like anger and to aggression and to getting that emotion out. But he didn't even have to with Jonathan Davis. He was just like, you know what to do, mm-hmm. go do it. And, um, so earlier we were talking about the tape recordings. Well, they had the tape set aside, you know, it's supposed to be X amount of tape long. They always leave some, some tape at the end to, to, you know, in case for, for, whatever reason, they don't, you know, you don't want to just cut it off in case the band does something kind of fun at the end or Im- improvisational. You want to kind of keep that.
1: Yeah. And if it, you need to wrap a present later, that's, yes, that's exactly. Right
0: uh-huh. uh, <laughs> but, um, so normally, you know, you would have like an engineer in there that would stop it. If someone's having a fucking breakdown, mm-hmm. but Ross Robinson like stopped him. It was like, no. And so you can no, hear the just rest let of Let the- him go guys. <laughs>
1: just let him go. This is gold. He's playing right into my hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an, <laughs> an evil gremlin <laughs> <laughs> behind a mixing board. It's like sitting in a high chair. <laughs> yes. Excellent. He's <laughs> like clapping his tiny ass hands. <laughs> um, but, no, they they so
0: the band, um the at the end are, are like, you know, Jonathan Davis is like is like losing his mind like before mm-hmm. he starts crying and just like screaming and like going crazy. Mm-hmm. And the band at the end is just like it's all live. So it's all them just like kind of improving at the end, like, mm-hmm. you know, really bleeding this thing out.
1: i I heard that at the toward the end of this recording. Uh, ross uh waved at like everyone and like triggered them to like keep playing yeah. or whatever yeah. so like there's a certain point where like everyone stops and it's just like jonathan crying and then like you hear david like come back in with the drums right and it sounds like so uncomfortable
0: I for know. multiple reasons and apparently like i think it was head um like started laughing because he thought that um jonathan was like fucking around oh yeah And so you hear kind of like a laugh Mm -hmm. and then they like realize what's happening. And then several other members start like crying too, seeing like Mm -hmm. him in this and you hear like a door slam and like right after that happens, the tape runs out. So like they had just enough tape to like hit this like kind of coda where Jonathan like leaves the studio and and shuts like the vocal booth door Mm -hmm. and then the tape ends. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty fascinating that mm-hmm. like, you know, that is such a there was not a planned thing, mm-hmm. but it, it ended up being like, I think, one of the more impactful parts of the record.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the tone they were going for on this particular song, they fucking nailed like oh, it's yeah. all it's uncomfortable to listen to. Very. But you can't deny like the craft that went into it right and even though like the end of it was like improvised um, it's just it's like a cool artifact for yeah this that's it's fascinating it, it's not a feel-good time no. at all but no. it's I'm glad that it exists but yeah. they captured that lightning in a bottle for it
0: I'm glad that I listened to it and we'll never listen to it again <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: we've documented it on this podcast yep. and that's and that's all. never gonna listen to it again no 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 it's yeah. it's it's tough man
0: mm-hmm. it's, it's a really tough song to listen to um and then of course the album ends with um <laughs> some old people talking about installing a carburetor <laughs> in
1: <laughs> a dodge yeah. dart that, that was the literal final note i have for this album is it's like it sounds like it's a husband and wife arguing and i read that ross robinson came across this like tape recording of people in a garage yeah. he doesn't know who the people in, are like an
0: abandoned house or
1: something yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, the, the, this part of this album is titled Michael and Jerry, (laughs) Jerry with like G E R I. So it's like husband and wife, like arguing about this Dodge Dart thing. And then like I made it because they're bickering back and forth. It's like, yeah, it's just like couples talking at the beginning, but it real quick flies off the handle. And the, um, the note I made is Michael saying to Jerry. (laughs) No, Jerry, you're a fuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird thing. It's a weird coda to put at the end of Daddy.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess maybe it's supposed to be like I'm interpreting this because I didn't I I don't know if I ever I'm sure I did, but I I forgot that this was even part of this album or whatever, but I could see it being interpreted as like you didn't listen to this 20 times. I may have when I was sleeping. Maybe that's affected my personal life as an adult. But like uh, it sounds like maybe they were going for like uh, this album you just listened to is this child or these five children like dealing with adolescent like um, angst. And yeah. then, like, this is the parents bickering that kind of led to that or yeah. like a, a snapshot of this the life in this household or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, Jerry, you fuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because um, there was an interview with a um, uh, head or monkey. I can never tell them apart. Mm-hmm. Um Uh, He says, uh, you know, recording the album, like we were all working through stuff, like on a personal level, like Jonathan was working through like his meth addiction and, you know, his um, sexual abuse. And we all had problems with our dads. (laughs) 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 I couldn't tell by looking at you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have problems with your dad's daddy
1: issues. Uh huh. The, the easiest way to tell monkey and head apart is one is brown and the other one is Jesus now. Okay. So, yeah. And just the one has my, a jaw, like a striking jaw. I think that's head. That I, You know what? The jury's out on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, one no one knows. Like, yeah, I can't, I can't see past the nose, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, well, yeah, yeah that's... Um... That's all um, I have to say about that. Yeah. All right. Cool. See you.
1: I think. Okay. Bye. <laughs> I think that was a pretty good exploration of this first album and yeah, what yeah. made it tick. You know, like uh, we've talked about the album itself. We talked about the pr- production side of it. We talked about the band. I think this is an open and shut case.
0: Uh, we, well, we, we figured
1: we... out the uh, origin of the band name. Yeah. Yeah. We did it. I mean, it's... Okay, closed. yeah we don't even, we didn't even talk about the album cover but I don't really want Ooh. to talk about the album we cover. talked about that on the previous one the yeah fascination with like uh military yeah 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 uh, yakers. Mm. oh yakers the, the, the only thing uh I have to say about the album cover um because it's it's been around since we were teenagers or whatever so yeah. I, I just just like I know what the album cover looks like like right. it doesn't really like Like, it's creepy, but, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, creepy... Like, a lot of death metal albums are creepy as well. Also, you can't read the band's name. But, uh, in particular, uh, uh, things of note for me recently is that I read somewhere that that guy is holding, like, a horseshoe or something. Right. And I I, I never interpreted what that was. I just thought it was, like, something sinister. Like, maybe he's got, like, weird, like, alien fingers or knives or something like that. But it's like... So, is he just, like... Looking for his other horseshoe? Like, is there a game of horseshoe going on? <laughs> like, maybe it's not sinister it's at all.
0: Super innocent. Just yeah. Like, hey, have you seen my other horseshoe?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, and also, like, it's an album cover I've seen so many times that, like, it doesn't. And also, okay, so '94,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I was 11.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> like, mm-hmm.
0: I was born in '83. So, um, you know, I I I didn't have. I didn't understand what it was implying. I, I, I understood it on a surface level, but I didn't, um, like I understood it was supposed to be like a creepy guy looking at a little girl, Mm -hmm. but I didn't, um, I I was young and innocent and I didn't understand Mm -hmm. enough of like the, the real implications behind Mm -hmm. that. Like, you know, there was always a stranger danger and that kind of thing growing up, but, um, looking at it as an adult and trying to look at it with like, if I was an adult and I saw this on the shelf, like, today and I'd never seen it before Mm
1: -hmm. um yeah I don't think you could do this no so I I don't know who the man whose shadow is posing in this photo is but I would imagine it's it's, me it was you you the whole time twist (laughs) oh save it for the next (laughs) one twist um but like I'm pretty sure we are probably older now than he was when he like Oh yeah, quote unquote post for that the sure. photo, right? So I'm trying to think now if somebody like if I were ever to like walk up on a playground to talk to a child, no fucking way! i do not even thinking. Say to this child, I'm no. not. I'm not gonna be like, hey, uh, do you listen to Earwolf podcast? <laughs> like what? Like what am I? Spo- <laughs> what conversation am I supposed to have? With Who's your favorite Doughboy? <laughs> yeah. Wait, are you Burger Brigade? <laughs> You're Spoon Nation. Oh, I you gotta pick one. I knew it. I knew it. Mitchie Two Spoons coming in hot. And if you don't, <laughs> you have to find my other horseshoe for me. <laughs> yeah. They come in a set. Um, but yeah, like the, it's just creepier to me now looking at this cover. Yeah. Because I'm like, there's this is like oil and water. These two things do not belong in the same yeah area at all. Like no, like there's a, a playground up from my house. And if I see children are over there, you I just stop. like go, I go the, the other brakes. way. I was like, no, fuck away. They're up to something. I, I feel like they're they're like plotting my murder. I don't know why. <laughs> they don't care about me as a person at all. So that I know
0: I'm sc- I'm actively scared of young kids. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they're either going to pick on me <laughs>
1: Yeah. They're, gonna, or, they're gonna roast your ass yeah. they're gonna say a bunch of young people speak you're like I don't know what any of that means it's that oh.
0: John Mulaney joke he's like a young person can look at you and automatically pick out the one thing you are most sensitive about <laughs> <laughs> he's like hey look at that feminine hipped man <laughs> yeah. damn well, yeah, yeah that's accurate but um yeah, apart from hmm. that, I think, yeah, I think we, I think we cracked this nut. I think we mm-hmm. nutted. I think we cracked this nut and then
1: we nutted. <laughs> All over think, it. Well,
0: wait, no, we nutted and then we cracked it.
1: Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Ouch. <laughs> Ouchie mc-ouchie. Um, Okay, well, cool. Uh, do you want to mention the album we'll be discussing next? The controversial album that we'll be discussing next. Ooh, okay, <laughs> the, so where
0: are we doing that one? I, you know what? We mind us fucking well. I mean, I'd say we do at least the first one.
1: We... Uh, We have to do... Are we going to do all of them? Or the first two? The first two. The first two. uh, Because I feel like those are solidly in the new metal genre. Despite what people may say or think. Exactly. Guys, we're putting both of our hands up. Just like, look, (laughs) you have to listen.
0: We're silencing all of you out there that are (laughs) screaming at us. (laughs) We're
1: about to. How about no, Scott? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um,
0: An album with the... Quite possibly one of the best album covers of I'm, the nineties. I'm
1: gonna say just like of all time. Like they've done it. Why do they even have album covers? Every everything should be like the cover to that Kanye album. That's just like a clear jewel case. <laughs> it's like why even we try? We did it. You
0: know, like. <laughs> yeah. Lemonade
1: and brownies by Sugar Ray. That's right, listener. Your record didn't skip. Mm -hmm. Mhm. Yeah, we're doing Sugar Ray. And if you're like, how is that the next in the new metal timeline, guys? It just is. It simply is. It is. We did the math. Yeah. You're like, oh, the guys who put out 1459 every morning. Those guys. Yeah. Wait. Yeah.
0: You guys don't. Oh, you don't know about Sugar Ray? We're gonna prove it. (laughs) Hey. We're gonna prove they belong in new metal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're doing important work here. Hey, we're both gonna fuck around (laughs) and find out.
0: My wife comes in and I'm crying at my desk with like <laughs> spreadsheets. She's like, "What's wrong? Like, I have to prove to the world that Sugar Ray was new metal in their first two albums.
1: This is my life." If you don't know, you're about to. <laughs> yeah. So give us a couple of weeks. We'll convene back here on yep. the colony, and uh, we're gonna discuss that first Sugar Ray album because it's uh, it'll be interesting. It I think be- it's like a full. Year. I think it was came out in '95, so yeah. a year after this first Corn album. And I don't know that there's any direct influence, but there's some new metal to be had there yeah. for sure.
0: And they were also in the same group of those guys. Yeah, yeah, those they guys. hung out together.
1: Like, mm. like uh, um,
0: uh, the Deftones, um, Sugar Ray were like they were friends. Like mm-hmm. they they hung out together. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to
1: we're going to do it. It's yeah, it's happening. It. It's mm-hmm. you know what. I've never been more happy and uh, uh, fucking full of myself that we're doing this.
0: Do you think we might be the first people who have ever publicly talked about this album?
1: Probably. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's going to be the next one. 1995's Lemonade and Brownies by Sugar Ray. Yep. If you've never listened to it, you know what? Do yourself a goddamn favor. Throw them shits on. Mm -hmm. It's on every streaming platform. Even Zune, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, check it out Because you might be surprised Or if you have heard it before It's about what you think yep. So, if, yeah. if
0: all you know from Sugar Ray Is their like cougar rock mm-hmm. um, Listen to this album
1: Yeah, educate yourself, culture
0: yourself Like Fred Durst said Sugar Ray, taught me all about drinking <laughs> Bow
1: wow wow, yippee yo, yippee yay Yep you know. Mm. Alright, All right, that was it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, Done. Oh, cool. Turn it off. <laughs> well, let's sign off this yeah. way. We talked about a thing, and then uh, our names are... <laughs> I'm Ross. I'm Brent. And get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
0: This has already done its job. The only thing its job is to do is when you're cranking the engine off,
1: after it's been choked, all it does is pull back and it cracks it open just a pinch. But you don't know what it's called. The choke vacuum diaphragm. Okay? I mean it's right there in the book. Oh god. You got hard. Hard woman to live with It was right here in the book. I would have found it. Oh, you motherfucker, you asshole, you stupid son of a bitch. You showed it to me. What? Mike? You showed me the goddamn thing in the book, what it was called. That's why I you knew what it get was. Get out of here and put you on No, Jerry, you're fucked. M-D-C.